Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Uh, we are in a section of scripture that's talking about Abraham of the Old Testament uh, being justified by faith. And uh, it's really the, the kind of this first gospel type picture of it really working out. There's really uh, something earlier than that, uh, quite a few things earlier than that. But this is really this big turning point that we look to in Abraham's life and Paul, the Apostle Paul, as he's writing to the, book, to the church at Rome, the Romans, uh, he shares with them uh, how Abraham fits into how it comes to uh, their, them coming to know faith and trusting in Jesus, having their sins forgiven, being ready to go to heaven. I want to encourage you, uh, as you think about, that's the most important thing, right? Is that you, you know that you're ready to go. Um, a lot of things you're concerned about, uh, I, you know, maybe you're concerned about finances in the future. Maybe you're concerned about food in the future or your family or your kids or, uh, your health or whatever. But more importantly than all that, more importantly than all that is that you would know that your sins are forgiven, that you're ready to go to heaven. And so uh, this morning we will continue in this passage, this important passage that is so helpful. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from verse 13 down to the end of the chapter. God's word says this. Uh, For the promise to Abraham and his offspring uh, that he would be an heir of the world, of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of of faith, for it is the uh, adherence, uh, for it is the adherence of the law, who are to be heirs of faith, is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, uh, but there is no law. For where, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace. And be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made uh, you the father of many nations. And in the presence of of the God in whom uh, he believed, who gives life uh, to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, uh, he believed against hope uh, that he should become the father of many nations as he, uh, as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief uh, made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. I'll just stop there. We'll get to that uh, at the end. God, thank you for your word. I, I ask that you would help us to understand it, that it may be powerful and effective in our own lives. I pray for those here who are still struggling to 
uh, see the difference between faith and works, I pray that it becomes clear even now. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. What a great passage. So here we are. Uh, Abraham's promise. Abraham's promise. And, and I want to tell you, this is all found in the book of Genesis. But he's going back and he's, he's taking this section of scripture from the book of Genesis. And he's saying, let me explain to you New Testament many years after that this is still true for you today. And so he looks at Abraham's promise or Abraham as the uh, ideal of what it is to have faith. In verse 13, it says, For the promise to Abraham and his offspring uh, that they would be the heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Okay? Uh, So we look at the promise uh, that God promised to Abraham. He said, I'm going to make you a great nation. Now, we'll get into later about that. But when God speaks his promises, what do you know? What do you know? Uh, When God says, this is true, when you read in the word of God something that God says is true, what do you know? You know it's true. Well, what if it doesn't seem like it's true? What if you can't see? What if it doesn't make sense? What if uh, science doesn't agree with that? Science doesn't agree with science, by the way. Every scientist does not agree. And that's fine. That's not, that's not bad. That's not mean it's bad science. It means that we are looking at a world that is hard for us to understand. But to say that uh, when we look at the promises of God, uh, that, that, that we need to really remember who's speaking to us. That, that whose words these are, that like what is being said and is there authority, is there truth behind it? And so Abraham's promise was that uh, him and his offspring, that they would kind of be the blessing for the whole world um, and, and that it wasn't through the law. Now he says, if you're here last week, uh, he said it wasn't based on circumcision. And so in the Old Testament, God asked Abraham, He said, this is what I want you to do in faith. I want you to uh, be circumcised in your offspring and that this would be a sign uh, to you, but to also the whole whole world that you're mine, you're mine. And so he, he had this act, this work of circumcision, but then they also had the law, the law. Uh, the, the idea of the Ten Commandments, but even greater than that, this idea of following what God had said. And, and as we look at this, we realize that uh, should you listen to what God said? Are the Ten Commandments good? Yes. Yes, they are. But, but this idea uh, that so many Jews, and I want to tell you, all of us are bent to this. All of us are bent to this. What happens uh, when you get 100% on a spelling test? Some of, some of your families, you go out to dinner because it's such a rare occasion, right? Uh, but a lot of times they put it up on the refrigerator, right? And it shows like, I am good. Nobody thought I could do it, but I am good. Um, and, and we pride ourselves and we like to see success in those ways because it goes, yeah, I am good. Though there are plenty of things in my life that said I was bad. I like to see that I was good. 
I like it. I like that visual. Uh, frankly, we like to talk about this, too. Uh, we, we like to say, you know how much I gave? You, you know, I volunteered at, at this event. Gave of my time. I was so tired. I sacrificed more than anybody else. And, and, and this idea that we have somehow done something good and there's a chart that says it. This is the law. Unfortunately, if you really look at the law and you really apply it to your life, the law doesn't say that you're good. It says you're bad, that you haven't measured up. It's not that you always were you know, failing, but it does show that you were definitely not 100%. And if we're really accurate, it, the percentage was pretty low, okay? Um, and so as he brings this, the promise, he says that they would be an heir of the world, uh, but it did not come through the law. We should rejoice at this time. We should say, hallelujah, praise God that it doesn't come through the law because I didn't measure up through the law. And, and so this is a new process. And for those of you who grew up in religion that said you had to do things and there were markers and you were this or that and you went to, this is good for you to hear. Uh, it may be kind of, uh, upsetting to your worldview that says that those things aren't the reason that you're righteous. They aren't. It's nothing that you have done. It says, but through the righteousness of faith. And he, he takes on this term righteous, being right in the eyes of God, being doing and, and being affirmed in his eyes that things are right in your life, that that isn't true, but by faith. But by faith. And he connects these two words, righteousness and faith. And so uh, he, he also goes on to say, Let, let's talk about the law. He says, uh, verse 14, for if it is the adherents of the law or the obeyers of the law, uh, who are the heirs, ones who receive the, the blessing that comes from God's promise, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings about wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. He says something very profound there that we're going to continue to work out is this. If, if you can be good enough, if you can follow the law in a 100% sort of way, if you can work your way to heaven, if you can do that, what happens to the promises of God? What happens to the idea of putting your faith and trust and believing in Jesus? What happens to that? It is null, and the promises of God are void. I want to tell you this. If you can work your way to heaven, uh, then who cares about Jesus? Who cares? Who cares about the promises that God said, I will be gracious to you if you had come to me? Who cares about those things? Because there's another way, and you can really work that out, that Jesus came to this earth for nothing. For nothing. Abraham's promise was a promise based not upon uh, the works of the law or the following or the obedience to the law, but rather it was all connected to Jesus. We'll get to that. Uh, Skipping down to verse 15. Actually, um, I want to get 15 first. 
uh, he, he says something important for us to just remember as we think about. Uh, for what does the law bring? The law brings about wrath. Why? Because the law shows you to be a lawbreaker. And uh, he says, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. Why do they have a sign uh, on the side of the freeway about the speed limit? Why? Because that speed limit is a marker, is a marker for the CHP to pull you over and say you are going too fast. Uh, if you take down the sign, can you not go too fast? Yes. You can still be reckless. You can still be dangerous and a danger to yourself and your community. But that sign is helpful for the CHP and for you to know you've crossed the line. It doesn't make you any less dangerous and reckless if the sign's not there. But when the sign's there, you know, you know. As God communicated his own heart, his law, he shared what true righteousness was so that we would know that unrighteousness was a part of our life, that we needed fixing, if you will. And so uh, we see this in Abraham's promise. We move on uh, to Father Abraham to all who believe. Father Abraham to all who believe. Verse 15, 16, sorry. Um, Abraham, it says this, that that is why it depends on faith. He's going back and forth between faith, works, or works of the law, or obedience to the law. He says, which one is it? And he keeps going back to faith. He keeps going back to faith. Um, And so we should be keep going back to faith. He says, that's why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace. That's a new word, right? Uh, This is this new concept, and it's a big theme for the book of Romans. Some of us like to define uh, the Bible as putting into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Testament being law and the New Testament being grace. Kind of messes, this passage kind of messes up that distinction because we find out that grace is found in the Old Testament. That Abraham, his faith was based on grace. What is grace? It is God's favor upon you that you did not earn or deserve. Earn or deserve. You need to get it. You need to get it. Um, what a good boy am I. You know, why wouldn't God have picked me for his team? We, we say these things to ourselves. We say them to others. We say them to our family. We talk about our goodness. And yet our goodness is not found in the book of Romans. Um, our sinfulness is found. Our depravity is found. And as our depravity is found, also the remedy for our depravity is found. It's Jesus. It's his grace that God would look upon us in favor when we deserved his wrath. He just spoke of his wrath in the previous verse. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Not only to the adherence of the law, uh, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham. Did you get that? So uh, once again, in the book of Romans, it's written to the Roman church, it's written to Rome and the people there, and many would have been Jews, but also many would have been other uh, 
cities, faiths, places, and stuff like that. And, and all of them needed to know. It was this huge city and this huge city of wickedness and ideas and thoughts that uh, were wrong. And, and just like our world today. Um, and, and we look at this and we say, well, well, who does this apply to? Does it just apply to the Jews? No. Abraham, this idea that he came to faith in God's promises, he trusted in him. We see this. Who is this for? This grace that guarantees to all his offspring. It guarantees to those who walk by the law, who are, are listening to the law, who know the law and are trying to live by the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham. And then it says this, who is father of us all. Um, I trust that there are some here today that have Jewish blood running through their veins. And I also trust that there are many of us who don't. And many of us who really don't know, we're just mutts, you know, um, good American mutts. Um, And uh, some of you didn't appreciate that, so I'll keep saying it. Um, I'm a purebred. Uh, means you got issues. Um, anyways, Bible, got it. Um, we, we look at this and we see two different groups of people, those who, who know the law, who are trying to live by the law, and those who don't. And it says this, forget about all that. The promise rests on grace and is a guarantee or a, a placement in the family, the family of Abraham, who by faith, Abraham, and now he becomes the uh, father of us all who have trusted like him. And it says, uh, as it is written, verse 17, uh, I, I have made you father of many nations in the presence of God who, in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that don't exist. This is an issue of faith, that he makes things. And as you look at the life of Abraham, you realize that that he picked Abraham out of obscurity and he made him something special, not because Abraham was something special, but because of his blessing and his promise in his life. And he did something new. And I I wanna tell you that I I always wanna keep in balance that I'm a child of the king, that I'm elect uh, by God's own choosing, that I'm special as I'm a child of the king. I, I, I have this position I have this amazing position, and at the same time, I am common. I'm common. What I mean by common, he used to collect baseball cards. And uh, when you get packs of baseball cards, this is a, such an important part of my upbringing. I can't believe how important it was. You buy a pack of cards and you open them up and you're looking for those stars. You're looking for those amazing, you know, uh, the Nolan Ryans and, and the Roger Clemens and the, these, these great players. You're looking for them. Um, but in them, in those packs of cards, most of them are what people would call commons. Cards that don't matter. Um, and that's what we are that we're insignificant. Simultaneously, we are insignificant, and yet uh, we have this amazing position because of what God has done. What is the difference? Well, it depends on faith, who we believe in. Uh, it, It says depending on faith, resting on grace, and then guaranteed to all, to all. I wanna tell you that that word guarantee is important because Um, When you have a guarantee, so 
Um, we, we see guarantees all the time, right? You know, and, and guarantees, uh, I always think it's funny, a lot of you buy junk online, um, and I do too, and it says guaranteed for the life of the product, and you know, it's some plastic piece of junk from some other country that comes and you can't read the package, and you say, well, where am I gonna go to take this when it breaks? Well, what does that guarantee mean? Uh, it means nothing, right? But when it says guarantee in the Bible, who's guaranteeing this? It's the promise of God. It's that God's guaranteeing. And what is he guaranteeing? Your place in the family. Your forgiveness of your sins. Your connection to Abraham and his faith and that those promises that you have a place in the kingdom of God. And so it's not even your own word that matters. It's the word of God. And so we see his promises. And we see this coming together for both Jews and non-Jews who place their faith in God. Now, uh, verse 18, we see now Abraham, the prototype of saving faith. Prototype is the idea of the first one, right? It's the idea of the mold, if you will. Getting it right, fixing it up and saying, this is what it's gonna look like and everything else will look like this. And this is the description in this section is now it talks specifically about Abraham and him placing or trusting in the promises of God. Verse 18, in hope he believed against hope. Uh, that he should become the father of many nations. And it's this idea that he hoped and he trusted uh, when it didn't make sense. When it didn't make sense. Now, I want to tell you that there's a lot of things. Uh, when, we, when we think about faith sometimes, we get a little nutty, okay? Um, we, we say, you know, I, I just believe. I just believe that God's going to make it sunny next Sunday, just believe it and it's going to be warm but not too warm but like just I believe that and if I believe hard enough I place my faith in that I'll get it that's nutty okay that's not the promises of God he doesn't say it's going to be sunny on Sunday he said well God promised me that did he where is it found in the word of God you have no assurances of nothing apart from this Okay, promises of God. Um, what did, so, so Abraham, he had a specific promise and it all, all related to him and his family and his offspring being this blessing and this thing for the nations. And so he, he hoped when nobody else hoped. He trusted when nobody else trusted, when it, when it didn't make sense. Why? Because it came from the word of God. And that's the distinction I would encourage you about is why should you, what are the things you should cling to and say, I know that this is gonna happen? Promises of God. So Abraham, verse 18, he hoped and he believed against hope uh, that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. You know, And he goes, oh, my offspring, I, I know that this is gonna happen. Um. He did not weaken in faith. Why, why do we weaken in faith, by the way? Because it's not happening, right? Uh, most of us have faith for a day, 
faith for a day. Uh, we're like, we, we trust God. We re- read in our Bible in the morning. This is true. It's his promise. And we go, I got it. And then the next day we wake up and go, God's not real. He didn't do it. He said he was going to do it, and yesterday he didn't do it, so he must not be real. That's how our faith weakens over time. It's probably not that extreme. Sometimes it is, but um, this is the picture. But not Abraham knew, even though the things that he saw didn't affirm that it had been done, Abraham trusted in the promises of God, even the promise of God. Verse 18 uh, or 19, he, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, uh, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. That's so funny. I don't know why more of you aren't laughing. Maybe it hits a little too close to home, you know? All but dead. All but dead. Um, I I, want to tell you that uh, he was 100 years old. 100 years old. And what was the promise connected to? His offspring. He didn't have offspring. Are you picturing this? Okay. Some of you older men, I, I, I want you to picture this right now. That you older men, that your wife would have a baby. You know? That's what Sarah did. She laughed, right? Uh, if you look back in Genesis, she laughed. Uh, so Abraham's 100, his body's falling apart. And uh, Sarah was barren, was barren. She was 90, you know, spring chicken, right? Uh, he's 100, she's 90. Um, and the idea of them having a baby, that doesn't make sense, does it? The math doesn't work. I may not be a biologist. I may may be a biologist. Sorry about me. Sorry about me. Uh, By the way, sorry. I'm going to stay away from the scriptures. Uh, By the way, the great follow-up to that question is not a bio. I'm not a biologist. Is so biology does matter, right? right? We can tell what a male and a female is by biology. Scientists, go after it. Figure it out, okay? We don't need to know what someone affirms themselves to be, right? That's what God made them. What was that talking about? Uh, word of God. 190. 100, uh, 100, the man being 100, the woman being 90, and them having a child. And he said, you know what? I know God has promised this. No, God has promised this. And, and I want to tell you that later on in Abraham's life, as Abraham was called to uh, sacrifice Isaac, he did it again. He did it again. His faith was lived out in a similar way where he goes, I'm supposed to sacrifice my son. He's the son of the promise. I don't know how this is all going to work out. I'm supposed to sacrifice him. I know that somehow if I kill him, that God can somehow resurrect him because I know of his promises, and it's not just for now, it's forever. It's true, I can trust God, he promised. It says, uh, verse 20, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. And what a great picture of what it is to walk with God is to trust him in faith, and then give him glory for what he's done, for how he's working in your life. 
Um, And then verse 21, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. I love that. I love that. That, I I, I want you to just isolate that in your mind as kind of a conclusion. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. And I want to tell you that's trusting in the promises of God. Trusting in the promises of God. Um, There are many, many today that we have, that say that we have grown past, we have progressed past trusting in a a God. We don't need him anymore. We we don't, what a joke. The Bible, the Bible, the one, this book, these words, we don't need it anymore because we've grown past that. We, we figured out how to program people. We, we've ha- figured out how to how do things in them and make them think differently, and uh, we can control them. People say that today. Uh, if you're wondering who, I could show you a few. Um, but, but the idea of Abraham's faith was convinced that God was able to do what he had promised apart from it making sense. So, so I say this a lot. Abraham did the math, did the math. 100, 90, people don't have babies at this time. It's not gonna work, but God said so. I I don't know how it's gonna work. I I don't have all the details. I can't explain it to you, but I know that God promised it and we can trust him and it will happen. The conclusion really uh, to this and really the tying it back together is in verse 22. It says, that is why his faith, Abraham's faith, was counted to him as righteousness. Counted to him as righteousness. Now we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. What does it mean to be counted to him as righteousness? It means that Abraham wasn't righteous. He was not It wasn't the the righteous payment that he had lived his life perfectly, that he deserves a part and a position in the family of God. He does not deserve it. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't even close to perfect. He was not righteous. But because he put his faith in God, his faith was different, but now it was counted as righteous. He was righteous because of God, him placing his faith in God. And I want to tell you, that's us. That's us. It's not that we are righteous. It's that we are made righteous by placing our faith in a God who promised us. And for us specifically, that we, he promised us Jesus would be enough for us. Um, I want to do this. I have a commercial. Commercial. And this commercial is for next week. Um, this doesn't happen very often, and I, I'm not thinking it's anything all that spiritual, but I, it is pretty spiritual, and I believe it's true. So anyway, uh, what's God want us to look at next week on Easter? What should, what should we look at? How about the next few verses? Look at this. It's counted to him as righteousness. Verse 22. But the words, it was counted to him were not written uh, for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him 
who raised from the dead Jesus, our Lord, who delivered him up for our trespasses and raised us for our justification. That's good stuff. I'll even dip into the next chapter just a touch. And you know what it says there? This is so great. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 1. Sorry, Larry, I didn't tell you we were going to go this far. But therefore, uh, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a great Easter message. I should probably talk about that next week, and I will. God willing. Um, I want to, how about us? How about you? How about you? How does this all fit to us? Um, are there some things that you wonder about and you concern yourself in this life right now when it comes to the issues of your soul? And how are these answered by what you believe? I want to ask you a question. What happens after I die? What happens after I die? And you go, well, there's not really much information about that. You know, I've, you know, I've watched Touched by an Angel and I've read some of those crazy books about this, that, and the other thing and the light thing. You know, I've seen that. Uh, But I really don't know much about what happens when you die. I want to tell you that God's promises address that. God's promises talk about that. And the question is, are you, are you going to read some book or talk to some psychologist or some other nut job? And um, are, are you, are you going to do that or are you going to ask the question, what has God said in his word? And will you trust that when it comes to the time? Well, it comes today, but especially when it comes to the day that you would die. Another question, um, how about you? Uh, Am I a sinner or am I righteous in what I do? How do you answer that question? Well, I I remember I went to Santa Barbara City College. I was really killing it back in the day. And um, I I remember talking to uh, some uh, classmates, biology class together, and we were in the library and... uh, one of my peers, this girl, uh, she, she was struggling with this question. Am I righteous or am I a sinner? Am I right with God or is, am I guilty? And I said, well, the word of God says we're all guilty. And I'm guilty and you're guilty. And I remember uh, I felt like God was really working in her life. And she was processing it. I could see the conviction coming. And then one of our other classmates come uh, came in and joined the conversation. He goes, oh, you're not that bad. Oh, yeah, yeah it's not, yeah, oh, well, we made a mistake here and there, but you know, for the most part, we're good people. And there was this question of whether I'm gonna trust in what God has said or am I going to trust in what everyone else says or what I say? Thirdly, and there's a bunch of questions that we could really hash over in this, how will I get to heaven? How am I going to get there? And what I, what I mean by get to heaven is to how will I be with God for eternity? How am I going to get there? And, and you, you think about that and you go, well, tell me what you know. 
And you say, I don't know anything. It's this, and, 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 and I don't know how to get there. And all these different people say different things about how you get there. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says this. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For, for with the heart, uh, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, one confesses, confesses and is saved. That's what God said. That's how you know you're right with God. And you say, well, what do I need to do? Trust in his promises. Trust in what he has said. Not what you think, not what everybody else thinks, but what he said. God, thank you for the confidence that we can have because of your word, because of what you have said, because that you are trustworthy, because you know, because you are God, because you had a plan, and you, you worked it out in your son Jesus that we might have righteousness that we did not earn or, or we receive because of believing in you. God, we, we have no other way. God, I pray once again for clarity that all of us might know that it is not because of works, not works of circumcision or the law or finances or some kind of religious system. It is because, it is because we have trusted in your word. God, help us to do so. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.